bell for that song. Wonderful. Amen. Titus chapter 2. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Titus chapter number 2. While you're turning, I would like to just ask a special prayer request for my wife. She's been experiencing some physical problems for a couple of weeks, and uh, she went to urgent care last Sunday afternoon and had an EKG, and then we took her again last night. was there for a couple of hours. Um, not exactly sure what's going on. Erratic uh, heartbeat, uh, low oxygen, just uh, several other things. If you would, keep her in your prayers. Uh, she's getting seen about, uh, but she's not 100%. And so uh, she's had to dial back some of her activities until she gets this figured out. If you don't see her in the choir, it's not because she's mad at the choir director. Um, and uh, she comes in late and leaves early so she doesn't exhaust herself. But just pray for her if you would. She didn't think she was going to be able to make it this morning, but she slipped in. And so I appreciate your prayers for her. And uh, we'll keep you posted. Um, I said all that from the pulpit, so I haven't got to say that to 300 times. Uh, so just pray for her, would you? Titus chapter 2, stand with me please. Appreciate Dr. Bittner filling in for us Wednesday night. Did a fantastic job. I went back and listened to that message. Amen. Great, great message. And some lessons learned through times of stress and, and struggle. Appreciate you, preacher, filling in for us. Preached down in North Carolina for Brother Poindexter at a, at a Bible conference Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Had good liberty. Saw God do a great work. Appreciate you praying. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to try to get all this in one message, all right? I'll preach fast if you listen fast. And if you say amen after every time I say something really good, I want to say it twice. If you balk on me, I'll have to back up and say it again. Amen. You know when you're plowing a field and you hit a stump, you have to pull that stump up. I'm not too good on plowing around stumps. I pull them up. But uh, this is a special Mother's Day message this morning out of Titus chapter 2, verse 1. But speak down the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, in patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine. Teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. I believe that's probably as far as we're going to get this morning. Lord, help us now, I pray, as we do our best to try to preach the message you've laid on our heart. May it fall on receptive ears and, and fertile soil, and may you be glorified in the message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach for a little bit this morning on the mothers our children need. The mothers that our children need. Need. Now, I will go ahead and start off with a massive spoiler alert. This message is going to be politically incorrect. For those of you that came to hear a politically correct preacher this morning, you didn't do very much research because you're at the wrong place. This message will go against everything that you learned in public school. It breaks every rule that the halls of higher learning have implemented. It will violate all the laws of Hollywood. This message will be the most sacrilegious, most blatantly irresponsible, and most unforgivable message that any humanist or Marxist has ever heard. If you need to slip out, you can go ahead and do that at this time. 
This message will be my attempt to counter the progressive culture's attempt to brainwash our society. It'll be my effort to take the mainstream feminist narrative and shred it into little bitty tiny pieces and put it in the garbage can where it belongs. What I'm going today to do is preach what chapter two verse one says, speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. What I'm going to preach today is commanded by God that I preach according to verse 15 with all authority. Let no man or woman despise thee. So having said that, I'm gonna dive right into the message that God has given me. America's in desperate need of mothers. Godly mothers. Mothers that understand and embrace their role in the home and in the church and in our nation. We're gonna start with Titus chapter two, verse four, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. That's gonna be our launching point this morning. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, children need mothers that are sober. Sober. And when you read verse number three, the aged women is uh, teaching the younger women. Now, Paul is instructing young Titus to a very specific list of things for both the men and the women, both the young and the aged. But because today's Mother's Day, we're gonna focus on the mothers or the young women, maybe we could say. And in this verse of scripture, the aged women at the end of verse three, that they be teachers of good things, it goes right into verse four, that the aged women may teach the young women, and the very first thing is to be sober. Sober. Now that's not talking about the opposite of drunk, but we definitely need to preach on that maybe. It's not talking about sober versus drunk, but it's talking about sober as opposed to having a responsible and a focused and a serious approach to life and to their roles and to their responsibilities. I've broken this down into three uh, subpoints. If you want to write these down, you can. We need mothers, first of all, that are sober in uh, her expectation to learn. It says in verse number three that the aged women are to be teachers and that they may teach the young women. A sober-minded mother will be a woman who will want to learn how to be a better mother, a better wife, a better woman from an older, more godly, more successful influence. And I can say this morning with, with 100% confidence that in our church, we've been blessed with some aged women, and I use that term respectfully, aged older women that understand what it means to be a successful wife and a successful mother. And if you are a young mother, I would encourage you uh, to get up close to these aged women and ask questions and allow them to teach you. Have a teachable spirit. Don't be one of those people that know everything about parenting even though you've never done it. And you know everything about being a successful mother even though your children are climbing the walls. Be a mother that's teachable, that understands that it is a process that we all have to learn, okay? The, the only instruction manual that came with our children was the Word of God. And you may need to sit down with an older godly mother, find a mom 
who's got children that are serving God. Find a mother who's got children that are saved and living right and, and, and pleasing the Lord with their life. Sit down with them over a cup of coffee and say, could you walk me through how you did that? I want to learn. It's been a blessing in our ministry. We've had quite a few ladies down through the years, not as many as you would think, but we've been quite a few ladies that will come to my wife and say, can I set up an appointment? I want to talk to you. We have missionaries' wives that will come through here with little children that will sit down with my wife and say, would you take just a few minutes and would you give me some pointers, give me some advice, give me some counsel on how I could be a better mother. You know what they're doing? They're being sober in their learning. You should be interested and hungry and desirous to succeed as a mother and as a wife. And you should read books on how to be a godly mother. Turn the television off. Turn the Facebook off. And learn how to be a godly mother and raise godly children. You're going to need all the help that you can get. Sober in her expectation to learn. Secondly, sober in her expression of love. Look at what it says in verse number four. That she may teach the young women to be sober and teach the young women to love their husbands and to love their children, all right? Some of you women's got husbands. I wouldn't know how to teach you how to love him. I'm just gonna, you have to talk to some older lady. Maybe she can help you with that. I, I wouldn't love him either if I was you, but you don't need to ask me. Ask an older lady. Some of these guys are knuckleheads, but I think it's interesting that one of the things that the younger women need to be taught is how to love their husband and how to love their children. Is everybody still with me? Not just love them, but love them right. Love them the right way. Learn their love language and learn how to demonstrate and express that love. Learn your children's love language. Your children have a love language. Some of you haven't figured that out yet. You're speaking Greek and they don't speak Greek. And you're telling them you love them, but they don't know that. Maybe you need to find out what their love language is so you can connect with them on a personal and intimate level so that they know that you love them, so you can win their heart, and that way you can invest in them and have their respect. Sober inner expression of love. Take it seriously. We've got so many children today that are just starving for love. Starving for love. We're privileged here at Calvary Baptist Church to have a bus ministry. We go out on Sunday mornings and we run buses and we pick up little children from all over the area. And those kids get on those buses. Most of the time they get on there by themselves without their parents. They get on there many times and they haven't had a hug. They haven't had a kind word. They haven't had a demonstration of affection or love all week long. And they come to junior church and our teachers and our workers are taught how to love on them the right way, the appropriate way to express to them that they're important to us and they're important to God. A mother that is sober will learn how important it is to love their husband and love their children. Thirdly, she'll be sober in her example of life. Sober in her example of life. Look at what it says in verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. You want your children to be obedient to you, mom? Of course you do. I didn't get any amens, but I know you do. Want your children to be obedient to you. Well, they're watching you. They're going to do what you do. They're going to copy mama. They're going to copy daddy. Mom needs to set that example. I want you to keep your place right there. I want you to turn over to Psalm chapter 128, verse 3. I want to show you a verse I touched on at our couple's getaway when I was referring to the husbands and the wives, but I want you to look at this from the mother's perspective. This is Psalm 128, verse number three. Turn over there right quick. I'm going to hurry. The Bible says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine 
by the sides of thine house. Thy children, like olive plants, round about thy table. Do you see that? Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. And what I, what I thought about was the children will see and follow the example of their mother. You can't ask your children to be something that you're not. You can't ask your children to do something you're not prepared to do. You can't ask your children to prepare them or to be them something that you're not prepared to be. The children or olive plants round about the table, but the wife is as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. She's described, the wife, the mother in this verse is described as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. Four things I noticed about this, this mother. She's pretty. Okay, okay, never mind. She's pretty. Pretty is as pretty does. Right? Come on now. The beautician and the nail salon is not what makes you beautiful. She's pretty. There's no better way to beautify a home than flowering vines and trees. There's some noise over here. I don't know what's going on over here. Just distracting some noise. We see that she's pretty. She's, she's, she, she's, the, she's the, the most beautiful thing in the home is the mother. I like what somebody said. Beauty is only skin deep. And ugly goes clear to the bone. We got some people who's with their attitude, their spirit, and the way they talk, it makes them unattractive. It makes them no fun to be around. Bad mood, getting up in the morning, well, I got up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, change beds or something. But the mother, the Bible says she's as a fruitful vine by the sides of the house. She's, she's pretty. She's an ornament. She makes the house attractive as a mother should. Not only is she pretty, but she's productive. She's a fruitful vine. It's one thing to be pretty. It's another thing to be productive. I thought about that parable over there where Jesus went to that, well, on the parable, he went to a fig tree and it had all those leaves. And he went there to get figs and there was no figs. It was pretty, but it wasn't productive. It looked good, but there was no substance to it. This woman wasn't just pretty, but she had a fruit. It was a fruitful vine, something that could minister, something that could feed people, something that could help people that had a need. Thirdly, in this verse, we see she's prominent. You can't miss it. It's evident to everybody that comes to the house. This, this wife should be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house. You can't miss it. The godly mother, the right kind of mom, will make a statement for that family, for that home that's unmistakable. Fourthly, she's protective. She's protective. The Bible says, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides, plural. Vine, singular. Sides of the house, plural. She's got that whole house wrapped up. You've got to get through her to get to the house. You've got to come through that vine to get to the kids. You've got to come through that vine to do something bad to that house. She's got that house covered. And I'm telling you, there's so much preaching in Psalm 128, verse number three. But the point I'm making is this is another place in the scripture where we see where the wife and the mother takes her role seriously, right. soberly. 
Secondly, write this down. Children need mothers that are strict. Strict. I don't expect the kids to say amen much, but you mamas and daddies, you ought to be jumping up and down on this point. The Bible says in verse number five, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. That keepers at home in the Greek literally means to watch or to guard. It's literally what it means. I looked it up this morning. In other words, she's not just hanging out on the couch watching soap operas. But she's taking her role as the mother in that home seriously. And she's keeping that home and she's guarding that home and she's protecting that home from any influence that might try to infiltrate that family. I want you to turn with me over to Proverbs 29. You should be right there in Psalms. Look over at Proverbs 29. Some of you moms might need to underline this verse in your Bible. And I am still in the Bible. Always stay in the Bible. We're talking about mothers being strict. We're talking about mothers that are discreet and chaste and keepers at home and good and obedient to their own husbands that the word of God be not blasphemed. Proverbs 29, 15, are you there? The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Now that's what my Bible says. Three things I notice about that verse that mothers are to be strict with their chastening. Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Preacher, don't you know what decade we're in? I know what decade we're in. Strict with their chastening. The Bible says that the rod and reproof give wisdom. The rod gives wisdom. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number 24, he that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes. That word betimes means to seek early and diligently. Chastening, chastening. A mother's responsibility and job is to take seriously her role as the disciplinarian in the home. Not that the dad isn't, but today's Mother's Day, I'm preaching to the moms. Now let me just go ahead and throw this out in case there's anybody cringing right now that's wadding up. Let me go ahead and get this out of the way. There's not a person in this building that is more sickened and repulsed by child abuse than I am. All right, if you think for one second and you take away from this message that I'm a proponent of beating your children and abusing your children, you don't know me very well and I would love to sit down with you and tell you some stories that would turn your stomach to let you know just how bad I'm against child abuse in any way shape or form. I'm against it, plain and simple. And a lot of mothers need to be taught by the older aged women how to love their husbands. You say, well, I don't know where that line is. I don't know what's appropriate and what's biblical and what's not appropriate and what's, what's over the line. You might need to sit down with an aged woman. You might need to sit down with your pastor's wife and let her give you some counsel on biblical, biblical, biblical chastening and discipline. So many people, some, a lot of people are so against discipline that they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And by not disciplining and by not chasing their children, they are abusing their children. They're creating a whole generation of young people that have no idea that actions have consequences. But you wanna know what happens when you stop chasing your children? You end up with Antifa. 
the group of hoodlums and anarchists in the street burning businesses and looting stores and blocking traffic and stomping out the windshields of police cars and pulling down statues were raised by a generation that was raised by a generation that taught Dr. Spock's book on don't discipline your children. This is the result of Dr. Spock's book that came out in the 70s. Timeout's not in the Bible. Standing in the corner's not in the Bible. Writing sentences is not in the Bible. The rod's in the Bible. Whenever anybody starts talking about chasing their children, people's first question is, is it legal? Your first question ought to be is, is it biblical? That ought to be your first question. Because the county executive's opinion of my child training is completely irrelevant to me. Annapolis doesn't dictate how I parent my children. Washington, D.C. doesn't tell me how to run my house. The Supreme Court, the World Court, the United Nations, the Hague, none of them will determine how my children are taught and how they are raised. I will raise my children according to this book right here, the way God said. This is our instruction manual for children raising. There's a right way to do it if you do it God's way. Let me say one more thing about this subject of chastening. Some of you are turning green on me. Hebrews 12 makes some powerful statements about chastening and the importance of chastening. In verse 5, it says, You've forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. God chastens his children. You want a parent like God? Get with the program. Verse 7, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Are those your kids? Deal with them. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh that corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chased us after their own pleasure. I believe I got chased a few times and they enjoyed it. But he, talking about God, chastens us for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for them present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. God chastens his children and a mother and a dad that is serious about protecting their home and keeping their home right will learn how to follow his example in the proper chastening and discipline of their children. You could outline those verses I just read to you. Chastening proves relationship, verse 6, 7, and 8. Chastening proves relationship. If you don't get chastened by God, that's evidence you're not a child of God. Verse 9, chastening produces reverence. And verse 10 and 11, chastening provides reward. Chastening, the rod. Is everybody still with me? Strict with their chastening. Letter B, strict with their correction. The verse goes on to say, the rod and reproof give wisdom. It needs to be done together. 
I'm not just talking about, I'm not just talking about the rod, but talking about the rod and reproof. Sit down, talk to them, explain it to them, show them what they did wrong. Tell them how they can get it right. Tell them how they can fix that. Tell them what you expect. Tell them what God's word says. Those two things together, the rod and reproof, is what gives a child wisdom. You can't do one without the other, Mom. It takes both. Stop letting your children tell you no. And you, Mom, learn to tell your children no. You need to look at them sometimes and say, stop doing that. Don't do that. One of the things I've said growing up is we don't do that in this house. If I've said it once, I've said it a million times. We don't do that in this house. We don't act that way in this house. My kids have never flopped down in the aisle at the grocery store and pitched a fit because they didn't get the kind of cereal they wanted. We don't do that at our house. Go over there and sit down. And they go, sit down. You need to quit talking. Be quiet. Some of your parents need to practice that on your kids somewhere besides in public. Practice it at home. Sit down and be quiet. Teach them how to sit down and be quiet. I was taught children ought to be seen and not heard. How many of y'all was taught that? A lot of you old timers. Children ought to be seen and not heard. Seen as in seen sitting there behaving, not seen running all over the place, running into people. Stepping all over people's feet, being a pest and a nuisance. That's a, that's a sign of bad child training. That's a sign of bad parenting when your kids are climbing the walls. It got real quiet. I knew it would. Tell them to stop. Tell them to be quiet. Tell them they're wrong. Tell them they're wrong. Tell them that they need to fix that, that that's wrong. Teach them and train them. Be strict in your correction. Thirdly, we're still in the verse. Are y'all still in that verse? We haven't moved yet. Rod and reproof give wisdom and a child left to himself bringing his mother shame. She needs to be strict with her company. When did it become okay to leave kids? Mother's job is to raise her children. It's not Barney's job. It's not SpongeBob SquarePants' job to raise your kids. We got a crop of teenage girls today that was raised by Hannah Montana. That's part of the problem. She came in like a wrecking ball. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, don't worry about it. Hannah Montana grew up. She's one of the most ungodly filthy, vile people in Hollywood. And she raised a whole crop of church members as kids. God didn't ordain Nickelodeon. God didn't ordain the Cartoon Network and the Disney Corporation to raise your children. Mama, he told you to raise them. Daddy, he told you to raise them. You don't hear this preached much. Because when you preach like this, people say, well, I ain't going to go back and listen to him no more. Well, you know, go somewhere else and let Barney raise your kids and then in 15 or 20 years, come let me know how that worked out for you. But it ain't working out. Sticking them in front of the boob tube all day while you're on Facebook and while you're doing whatever it is you're doing and letting those reprobates and let those God-haters raise our children. Mama, you need to be serious and be strict and keep your home and guard your home and protect your children from those terrible, terrible influences. Number three, let me wrap this up. Children need mothers that are saved. 
children need mamas that knows what it is to be saved. Turn with me quickly over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Let's close with 2 Timothy chapter number 1. I could have easily preached a five-point series out of this message, but I'm just blowing through it real quick. Right in the middle of this Get Plugged In series, we had to preach a little Mother's Day message. Kids need mamas that are sober. Kids need mothers that are strict, that will tell them no, and put up some boundaries, some guidelines, and parameters in their life, but none of that works. None of that will count if mama's not saved. 2 Timothy chapter number one, are you there? Look what Paul wrote to Timothy in verse number five. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, watch this, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded that is in thee also. Timothy was influenced by the faith of his mother and his grandmother. It was called an unfeigned faith, meaning it was real, it was genuine. There was nothing fake about it. There was nothing phony about it. It wasn't some superficial cloak that they put on on Sunday morning so they could fit in with the church crowd, but it was real and it sustained them and it was one of their characteristics and it shaped and molded Timothy's life. It wasn't a passing interest, part-time occupation. The Bible says the unfeigned faith which first dwelt in thy grandmother and in thy mother. It dwelt with them. It was a key attribute. And it was so real that the apostle Paul remembered it. Am I still in the book? When I called to remembrance, the unfeigned faith that is in thee, that was also in thy grandmother and thy mother. When the apostle Paul was writing to Timothy, he remembered, he remembered Eunice and Lois's faith. It was that substantial. And I wonder, Mom, Mama, I know it's Mother's Day, but I, I like the word Mama myself. Mama, is your faith so real that when your kids are living their life, the devil tempts them to do something they ought not to do, that they remember your walk with God, your relationship with Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul remembered Apostle Paul wrote about it. The mother of Jesus, I'm done. The mother of Jesus in John 2 at the wedding at Cana. The Bible says his mother looked at the servants and here's what she said. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Talking about Jesus. That's what she said. Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And I thought what a prime example of a mother that would point to and elevate the lordship of Jesus Christ. That would look at her children and to be able to say with authority whatsoever Jesus tells you to do, I want you to do it. Whatever Jesus said to do, I want you to do it. Whatever Jesus said don't do, don't do it. What a tremendous example. We're talking about children need mothers that are saved. It is your job, mom, to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ and to promote obedience to him and to his word. It is your job to raise your children to do whatever Jesus said, and that starts with getting saved. The unfeigned faith that was in Timothy was first in his mother and grandmother. Mama, are you saved? He said, my kids are all grown. What about the grandkids? 
Preacher, I've heard it so many times. Preacher, I blew it with my kids. I blew it. I, I got saved late. I didn't know better. I didn't know any different. My kids are all grown. I blew it. And I said, well, you got a second chance with those grandkids. You got a second chance with those great-grandkids. As long as you're breathing, grandmother, grandmother's got influence. Mama's got influence. But you got to be saved. I can tell you something right now. I'll tip my hat this morning to any mother that is saved, that is trying her best to raise her children with soberness and seriousness, trying to have some discipline in the home, trying to be strict with their children. I tip my hat to you this morning because you're one in a million. Most moms are letting the streets raise their kids. They're letting the public schools influence and brainwash and educate their children. They're letting the youth pastor and his wife, the couple of hours a week they've got them, try to pour into them. Mama, that's your job. Take it serious. It's Mother's Day. We salute you today. We recognize you today. We honor you today. And your role in our churches and your role in our nation is more important now than it has ever been before. Our children need mothers. Heads bowed, eyes closed as our musicians are coming. If you're a mother here today that does not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you can't remember a time and a place where you ever bowed your head, gave your heart and life to Jesus, repented of your sins, and turned to him, we would love to help you with that today. It would be our greatest honor today to help you become a saved mother.